0: to the digiday podcast this week we are bringing you a uh, an interview that i recorded last week at our digiday publishing summit with bloomberg media ceo justin smith um justin and i talk about leading through a crisis and many other um aspects of what's going on with bloomberg media's business right now we are going to have more of these live events coming up and you can check them out at digiday.com slash events now on to the interview I want to bring in uh, Justin Smith. Justin Smith is CEO of Bloomberg Media. So before we get into it, I mean, we're going to talk about silver linings, um, but just like a temperature check, because you, you, know, you guys are, are global. So I think you, you see a lot of trends maybe before, because I mean, this is a strange one because um, the United States is, is mired in this and other parts of the world. And it looks like we're going to be mired in it for a while. Um, I'm no epidemiologist, but I don't like those charts. The other parts of the world uh, are in different situations. What is your sense? I mean, April was a disaster here. I mean, from an economic standpoint, what are you seeing globally that, that maybe can, can be, can inform us into what comes next and, and how we come out of this?
1: Well, it's uh, first of all great to be here. Um, but we are a global, very global media company, and interesting story. In January and February, when this pandemic was was at the time, this this disease was emerging in Wuhan, China. We sitting in New York. We just didn't didn't appreciate what was going on. I think obviously, no one in in the U.S. really fully understood what was happening. Um, but we went to work from home for uh, in our Hong Kong office, our Beijing, Shanghai offices across the first quarter, and you know the first thing is that none of us leaders in New York actually really appreciated what what a significant change to our employees' lifestyle it was, and so um, you know we ended up doing our first town hall with our Asian team and in March, and it was almost apologetic in the sense of like, my goodness, we didn't realize now that we're all working from home and seeing the impact of this, you know, we really want, we want to lean in and, and, and say, we're sorry for not being in closer touch. But, you know, obviously the, the same trends that we saw here hit earlier in Asia. Um, so advertising sales, live events, you know, live events coming to a, almost a, a screeching halt to a large extent in Asia. In the January February timeframe, which we saw then in March, late March and April in the U.S. advertising slowing down very rapidly, and um, and, we, and we we saw the same kind of I'd say two month very 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 uh, poor performance across that region, which we've seen here in the in the U.S. as well on those revenue streams. Obviously, um, advertising and live events being a, the kind of the key the key vulnerable revenue streams relative to subscriptions and licensing, which are our other large businesses, which I'll talk about in a minute, have actually done well. But um, while China and Hong Kong and Taiwan and South Korea have been been actually very effective at managing the pandemic through contact tracing, through ubiquitous testing, their, their successful management of the pandemic has not necessarily led to a bounce back in ad revenue uh, and a bounce back in in live events instead what you know i guess the metaphor that i'd use is that sort of people sort of began slowly gingerly sort of um, you know going back out into the world and then what we've seen as we saw in beijing last week we've seen these sort of these these intermittent sort of return of the pandemic which have which have led to people going back to work from home basis going back to kind of more of a defensive posture and that's affected The business and so the business has been has come back but it's been very very tentative um we're just here here in the us we're seeing the business coming back in the last couple of couple of weeks in fact we had two quite strong weeks relative to the last two months across the last two weeks Um, but i expect what will happen here is similar to what happened in asia which is a very tentative return um maybe even more tentative in america because the public health situation is less under control.
0: Mm-hmm. How about in Europe? Are you seeing similar dynamics, because I think one of the big questions when it comes to modeling how things are going to go here, beyond the fact that we do not have the sort of widespread testing or contact tracing that, that is taking place in, in Asian markets or even in Europe, is how much can you transfer You know how how the economy started to tentatively emerge in, in Asia to here. And I think Europe usually is a better comparison, but are you seeing business bounce back in Europe? I mean, it's very early there, but are you starting to see any green shoots on the ad front?
1: Well, I mean, as I mentioned, I think in the last two, the U, obviously Asia was first Europe, then second, um, and then the U S third in terms of the length the, the arrival of the pandemic. Um, obviously, the management of the pandemic, as you referenced, has been very different in, the, in those, those three different parts. Uh, in, in Europe and the U.S., uh, we've seen in the last two two weeks a, a return to, to, to more activity. I mean, it's, it's definitely not what we would see in a normal month of, of June, for instance. But we've seen definitely green shoots, more conversations, um, campaigns on the advertising side that have been on hold being approved for the first time, um, but again at a, at a still at a at a smaller at a smaller base than what we've seen historically. Um, uh, whether this represents a kind of the beginning of a of a of a consistent recovery is the big question. Um, and I think you know my personal view is that the economic situation, of course, to which advertising spending is directly tied, is is derivative of the public health situation. And I think as long as the public health situation is not under control or the trend lines are negative, uh, I think the economic um, metrics which affect advertising spending are going to follow suit. So we're not counting on a uh, a, a rapid bounce back in, in Europe or in the U.S., though I think we're probably a little bit more confident both timing-wise and also uh, in terms of how they've managed the public health situation, more confident in our Asian outlook and our European outlook than we are in our
0: U.S. outlook. Is this like a lost year? (laughs) Should we all like write it off? I mean, there was actually a suggestion that we that we just like sort of fast forward and like not have any. I think somebody had that suggestion. I loved it. Um,
1: It's, I mean, like like any problem, you know, it's 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 all one always fantasizes about it going away or or just being (laughs) able to wave a magic wand and say, you know, this is this is let's just close our eyes and pretend it's not happening. And then because of that, the, re- the reality is that, you know, though we may wish it to be a lost year, it, it can't be a lost year because every year is a year and we're all and the reality of what this year is impacting on the media business globally is significant. I mean, you know, it can't be a lost year if you start the year with, you know, 35, 40,000 more journalism jobs and, and, and end the year. With that many less jobs, I mean that's 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 not a lost year. That's a, a devastation, um, and uh, you know. And I think one of the big questions on publishers' minds is, you know, the, the idea of a lost year sort of suggests, on some level, that you can kind of you, we, you can you can again maybe ignore the difficulties and and you know and then all of a sudden wake up in January 2021 and things will be back to normal the one key question is will january 2021 look like 2019 or actually is it going to look like something less than 2019 um and everyone is sort of you know is so used to kind of looking at your your financial performance and your business performance or key metrics on a chronological annual basis quarterly basis and in as we go into 2021 there's lots of hope for a vaccine for for treatments or return to normal, but I'm not totally convinced that you know the media business will be back to where it was a year ago. I think we might be a little further back than that. And
0: uh, so, bounce back is like going back to 2019. Not like is that
1: what? Well, I think 2019 may be the baseline, and there's a possibility it could be could be you know, could be even even worse than that in certain in certain revenue areas. Um, You know, just to kind of get into the the details of, you know, of the broad media business models. I mean, advertising obviously has been the the biggest uh, issue alongside live events. Uh, The difference between advertising and live events is that advertising was already facing significant headwinds across the last couple of years, especially digital advertising. And uh, you know, my view is that the pandemic, to a large extent, is going to accelerate those negative trends on advertising, digital advertising. I think the platforms, you know, even though they're facing you know difficulties, re- re- relative difficulties this year, I think there's, they they are going to increase their strength and their market share uh, out of this out of this pandemic. I think in a in a in an environment where CMOS have less dollars to spend I think the scale and the performance metrics and the efficiencies of the platforms um, will you know will prove very attractive and unfortunately the publishing business um, has not come up yet has yet come up with alternative advertising models that that are competitive live events um, you know this is obviously a this is a lost year for live events. I mean that that because of the the fact that they're actually just impossible to to pull off. And as we know, um, despite lots of innovation and, and lots of learnings and exciting new um, new possibilities in the virtual event space, uh, the revenues are you know um, are very reminiscent uh, of of the of the era when we went from you know traditional ad spending to digital ad spending, where the actual percentage of the revenue is much, much smaller. Um, now, that's all doom and gloom. On the flip side, and this is where, you know, I yeah, think we're going to we do silver linings, talking Justin. about silver linings, there, you know, the, the, this is a time when you can lean into, to some, some of the revenue streams that are being promoted by some of these lifestyle changes, by some of these work from home dynamics. I mean, we are, at Bloomberg, and I know a number of other publishers. Um, unfortunately, not u- ubiquitously, are seeing major, major increases in subscription revenue, um, and uh, and we're even seeing signs now that actually the big bumps in subscription revenue across the first quarter and second quarter, due to the due to the in, in, you know increased news consumption, um, actually are, are sticking around, and that some of the churn rates are consistent with previous turn rates, so that they, this is not just a short-term thing. So so I think it's, you know, there, it's a time of reckoning for the media business as a whole. I think everyone um, knew at some point that uh, after a nine-year economic expansion, that there would be some sort of shock that would then, uh, you know, really, really challenge the media industry and that the business models that were reliant on kind of more traditional declining um, revenue streams uh, would, you know, would would see a, a, an unfortunate shakeout, and it would force, you know, the remaining businesses to innovate and focus on opportunities that would be much more lasting for the future.
0: So, if we were to take Bloomberg Media, I know you're private, so please give us as much details you can. But before Corona, and then after, wherever the other side of this is, like, how do you expect the shape? of the business to change from a revenue perspective? I mean, obviously we talk about acceleration. Bloomberg, acceler- this has to have accelerated the shift to um, subscriptions as as a large part of the business versus advertising. So definitely, I mean, I think, you know, and, and we like hopefully
1: other publishers are really thinking hard and have been working hard during this, this crisis to um, to make changes to our overall model and our overall business that will position us in the most, you know, in the most positive and forward-leaning way, you know, post-crisis. We're really, we talk a lot about, you know, how are we going to pos- be positioned in December of 2020, November of 2020, uh, January of 2021. Um, and so, as you mentioned, I mean, I think we are going to see you know, we've historically been an advertising-led uh, business media company um, that's been a, a, a large majority part of our revenues. I think you know we are seeing through our consumer subscription business, which we launched in May of 2018. So it's only a two, just over a two-year-old business. Um, we're seeing significant, significant growth and gains, which, um, as you know, and the reason why it's a much more attractive re- revenue stream is that they. You know the compound value of uh, of a high of a high renewal subscription business and high price subscription business means that we should go into twenty twenty one with a with a significant significant increase in the percentage of our revenue from subscriptions as a whole as advertising comes down. Um, I do think it's
0: so. Just if I could just jump in, um, this growth is not just in the number of subscriptions, but it is in. The revenue from them because you know I I have this weird habit of taking uh, screen screenshots on my phone of different offers I get on Instagram and stuff. Um, I get some from Bloomberg. Obviously, a lot of people are using this time to drive volume into their subscription business, and if you do a good enough job with managing churn, and I know Michael uh, Finnegan will be talking about this later, it, it it makes total sense. The number, the math is the math as long as you can protect the brand but you're seeing growth in revenue, significant growth in revenue, not just in the in the pure numbers of subscribers.
1: We are and it, it's not because we're we're geniuses necessarily, it's because we are a less mature subscription business. You know, we're 2 years old um, in many ways we're you know, we're benefiting uh, the introduction of our paywall benefited from, you know, 25 30 years of uh, Bloomberg LP building out, um, you know, one of the largest newsrooms in the world, creating amazing content, creating a brand. And when we introduced a paywall, obviously, you know, there was a lot of a lot of opportunity for us uh, in, in you know in these in this first phase. So um, because we're, we're 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 on the less mature side, you know, all of our acquisition of subscriptions actually you know fall fall into the you know what we call a positive lifetime value acquisition. So we're we're generating more revenue uh, across the uh, the period that we that we that we analyze than we uh, than we are from the acquisition cost, um, and that that includes even having made an incremental you know investment this year because we saw the opportunity being so big. A lot of that has to do with the fact that our actual you know our our pricing is extremely premium. You will see, as you point out, lots of different offers. You know, and actually low-priced offers for introductory uh, opportunities to subscribe to Bloomberg.com. But um, after one month, up to or, or you know, maximum three months of of different uh, intro trials, we move the we move all of our subscribers to a thirty-four dollar ninety-nine cent uh, monthly subscription, which is. You know, works out to well over $400 a year, which, as you can imagine, gives us a pretty large um, latitude in terms of you know, acquisition costs per, you know, per new subscriber.
0: We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. So do you anticipate that the shape of Bloomberg Media's business goes more towards like the New York Times model? Like, I mean, Do you expect subscription revenue to be the majority of revenue in, in the near or medium term?
1: I wouldn't say that in the, in the in the near medium term we're going to become, you know, similarly structured as the New York Times. I mean, only because you know, number one, uh, you know, I, I don't think I think there's a, there's a lot of conversation around sort of pulling back from from advertising. The idea that you know we should divest from advertising. You saw the New York Times today, um, you know. Cut, I think, sixty-eight jobs out of their advertising and sort of content studio business. Um, we like to think of uh, we 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 think that the advertising business will continue to be a viable business. Um, it um, and we like to think of it in terms of you know how do you modernize and transform your ad business for post-platform world, right? Which is um, and I think this is I mean if we're really honest as an industry I'm not sure uh, any of us get great marks for the amount of innovation or the amount of new solutions that we've that we've brought to the brought to the advertising marketplace and I think that particularly if you deliver on um, audience segments that are targeted that are a niche I mean Bloomberg media is in a sense a you know a a broad global niche uh, of focusing on, on business and financial professionals. Um, And that, you know, I think that if you, if with more innovation, more uh, better execution around first party data, better execution um, around integration of marketing services, um, that if you, if you do sit, if you do deliver a very targeted Audience in a very high quality environment, I think you I think that there's there's a viable ad business in a post-platform world to be built. I'm just not sure that the industry has really put its best foot forward there yet. And so we're still we're we're working hard on that. And we've, you know, across the last couple of years been experimenting with a lot of different things. You know, um, we experimented with a, you know, with a a strategic consulting model, which actually has been been very effective. I, I oftentimes say that, you know. It's 2020, and if you look at a at a, a publishing business, really one of the areas that most resembles the publishing business of the 1990s, mid 1990s, is actually the ad sales department. Um, you know, sure, we're doing uh, more digital advertising. Sure, you know, we have uh, you know campaign optimization and you know more sophisticated ad ops. But you know, it's it's effectively. A relatively similar approach uh, to, uh, to to the direct sales opportunity, um, and I think that there's that there's an imperative for us to to innovate, invent, and and come up with a, it
0: with a, with a better model. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that that has not um, progressed as much? Because I mean, a, a ton of venture capital went into intermediary companies. Frankly, that. Um, were to reinvent the the advertising, the digital advertising business. Um, is it just because it, this hasn't been publisher led for the most part? But I mean, for the most part, when it comes to innovating on the ad experience, it's been outsourced to technology companies as far as I can tell.
1: You know, it's a longer conversation. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I do think that the, I mean, I, I do think that there's, you know, a, a talent gap around, you know, advertising, data, technology, uh, engineering gap, you know, that, that exists between, you know, publishers and platforms. If you look at just, I mean, it is very much a David versus Goliath dynamic. Um, when you, th- when you, th- when you think about the, you know, the numbers of people and the types of people that are trying to solve for this exact problem. Uh, these these marketing challenges at platforms versus publishers, um, and of course, it's a it's sort of a reinforcing deficiency because the more the businesses have been challenged uh, by the platforms, and the, the more market share has been taken away, the less the less resources existed to be able to to uh, um, to invest in, in this area. So, um, but you know, I, I I I so I'd largely say it's sort of a talent and resource question. Um, and one, you know, which, uh, you know, because of that is very, very difficult to solve.
0: So every everyone comes into these crises with their own sort of set of challenges, but also opportunities, um, if you will. Um, obviously, the structure of Bloomberg allows you, ideally, to take a longer view. Doesn't mean you don't have to make money. I, as far as I understand, you need to make money, right? But you sh- you should be able to not, I mean, you're not in survival. A lot of, a lot of publishers are honestly still in like triage and survivability mode. Um, you can afford, I would think to look, um, longer term. So how, how are you approaching this with saying, Hey, look, we don't know exactly where the other side is, but we're going to come out of this other side stronger. And we're going to, we're going to take this time to make some strategic bets.
1: So we are absolutely doing that, and, um, and I'd say we're doing the five things. Number one, we've talked about it. We, we, we want to, we're leaning in very, very um, intensively into the direct uh, consumer subscription business and, um, and really, really building that competency out. Number two, um, we are also focusing on, the, because I think also tied to my previous uh, comments on advertising, yeah, the more we can deliver sort of very, very specific, narrower, um, targeted segments of audiences, I think the better the, the advertising opportunities and the monetization opportunities, even, even the subscription opportunities. So we've launched a number of, uh, of verticals like Bloomberg Green, which is may- maybe one of the world's first dedicated multi-platform media brands focused on climate change. We just, Acquired City Lab from my alma mater, the Atlantic, and just launched it earlier this week, Bloomberg City Lab, which is a, 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 a multimedia global brand focused on urbanization. Um, we have some, we have our new economy forum, which is our, our signature event in, 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 in Beijing, China. Um, which is also a, 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 a niche, uh, digital and, uh, and related brand. We've got the efforts that I mentioned around modernizing and transforming um, our ad business for this post-platform world, and one key part that we're, one key thing that we're working on to position us to come through this in the longer term is, you know, putting a lot more emphasis and investment into um, into into next-generation video opportunities. So, uh, probably the largest new initiative at Bloomberg Media is um is the is our quick take um video uh news brand which is which originally was called tiktok until the chinese tiktok made it clear that we needed to change our brand you weren't going to beat them on that one no we weren't anyway it was just bad timing it started off as a partnership (laughs) with twitter um and uh we was sort of a video news platform on twitter exclusively um doing you know uh, social uh, video news clips uh, from around the world uh, on Twitter and became the largest publisher of video on Twitter. Uh, then we've moved it now to, to, to YouTube and to Facebook and to Instagram. Um, reaches over hundred, you know, over 50 million uniques a month now, just after two years. And we are now going to be later this year taking that quick take brand into the OTT space and launching um, 10 hours of Dedicated streaming programming to to participate both in the well primarily in the streaming um, OTT advertising space. Um, if you do look at the future of advertising, I think something like you know today the eighty billion dollars of revenue are is being uh, is being spent in in uh, in sort of connected OTT, and it's going to grow to 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 one hundred and sixty billion by twenty twenty four. It's really Going to be a significant, significant growth opportunity, and so we um, and we see probably more advertising opportunity than we do see um, kind of subscription fee opportunity in the OTT landscape. Um,
0: and then, okay, finally, so if I go on like if I go on like Roku, I'll be able to find QuickTake.
1: You you will you will you will uh, Roku, starting so, in the okay. fall. We haven't announced the formal launch yet, but QuickTake is you know is going to move from being kind of a social. Video platform to a social video and OTT streaming platform um, uh, globally uh, as of as of this fall. And then the last thing I would say, Brian, is you know we we are seeing a lot of publishers pulling back from live events, um, and you know we do because of our broader business model have I think the luxury to take a longer view. But we are very actively preparing for owning the return to live events the return to experiential and by owning I mean this this was a very very dynamic revenue stream for us over the last five years and you know I, I know we, Digiday, a it's been a, a huge part of your business um, and but we do hold the belief that once it's safe for people to convene in person live that the that the events business will come will come come back very very strongly. And there's a big opportunity to you know to capture more market share as we go through this you know this lost year in events um, and to, to to come back mm-hmm. with, a, with a with a much much more aggressive uh, slate of uh, event programming and also a whole new range of opportunities tied to virtual events, which will become much more of a complement to the live event experience than they've ever been before. And I think ultimately, would become more of a more a larger source of revenue too.
0: Are you going to have the New Economy Forum in November?
1: We'll be having it, um, it but it will not be in person. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yes, we, we are going to do it. We're going to do I it be- in November um, virtually, uh, but on a, on a on a on a global scale. Okay.
0: Um, when do you, or do you have no idea, like when you would are forecasting having in person events?
1: We are thinking. Um, I mean, honestly, it's just guesswork because I, I, we don't think that in-person events will happen until it's definitively safe. And that means, you know, it, it can, uh, you know, either a ubiquitously av- available vaccine um, or a, a therapeutic treatment to, to, to COVID-19 that is that is definitive. Um, and I, that's, you know, that's obviously not, not my expertise. I mean, we've got models that look at the earliest sort of the end of, you know, the, the, the end of Q1 2021, um, and, uh, and, Mm -hmm. and, but we've got also looking at models where it takes longer than that. I don't think that we see, we see anything happening before the the next
0: calendar year. Okay. So in-person events are on ice, I think for this year, it sounds like, uh, we have a question from the audience. It is, um, do you expect higher audience numbers? from quarantine, et cetera, to revive ad revenues? I mean, obviously, people are at home, so you get more volume of page views.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's a good question. We, we also, I mean, I think many, particularly news publishers, including ourselves, saw record, record traffic in the month of uh, March and April. I think we doubled our, uh, our audience size to something like 130 million on-platform uniques Um, of course that coincided also with the advertising fall off and then concerns around, um, content adjacencies and programmatic to, to coronavirus content. So it did not translate through into, you know, significant growth in, in advertising. But what we have seen is we've seen coming out of April and May, we've, we've, you know, we've seen obviously a return to, um, to more, uh, to 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 audience levels that were similar to to prior to the crisis but with a significant increase so a number of those new readers actually came uh came to us and actually stuck with us and 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 the same goes for subscribers
0: okay um we're gonna leave it there but thank you so much justin i appreciate you uh taking the time
1: thank you all the best stay safe
0: and thank you all for listening. Next week, I will have another interview um, from the Digital Publishing Summit. That one is with Blavity CEO and founder Morgan Dubon. Uh, we'll talk about how um, what it's like to, to be the founder of a black-focused uh, media company uh, during this time and how the media industry can do better with uh, representation, equality, and opportunity.